started and will continue on next several weeks later. I was reading recently, actually this week, uh, they asked the question, well, do you know, speaking of, did you know, do you know what would happen if there were three wise women instead of three wise men? <laughs> yeah, all the guys are going, uh-oh, that's right. Well, first of all, they would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable. And they would have made a casserole and brought disposable diapers as a gift. Now, that is what would happen if there were three wise women. Now, that's not what happened. But what did happen is that it was incredibly significant for, by the way, I am going to just be throwing, frankly, I'm just going to be throwing scripture at you all over the place this morning. And so probably I would encourage you, if you choose to do this, if you have something to write down on, just start writing these scripture verses down. And then maybe later, if you choose to, you can go back and look at those, those things as far as trying to keep pouring all that kind of stuff. But that was, I would, would recommend for you anyway. But in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we read these words, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what we know is that God came down to mingle himself with us, his creation. God would no longer just be out there, but he would be right here. He moved from above to among. He stepped from being just the creator into his creation. God became man. And when we talk about the advent, that's exactly what it means. Advent is coming into place. Advent is coming into view. Advent is basically an introduction to the world. It's the, the being, it's the arrival. And so the advent, as we celebrate advent, is, is the arrival of God into the world. And what do we know about this, this God-man who came into the world? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which is the core verse that, that Pastor Wayne and myself have, are dealing with, which is, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince, a peace. And it's those four descriptors that we're, we're camping over the next several weeks. As Pastor Wayne talked about wonderful counselor last week. And today we're going to camp on mighty God. And actually, I like how the contemporary English version translates this one verse where it says it this way. A child has been born for us. We have been given a son who will be our ruler. And his name will be, and then we read those same names again. He is a mighty God. He is a powerful God. He is a strong God. And so in this passage of Scripture, God allows Isaiah to glimpse the, uh, the arrival of the Messiah. What that will mean, the Messiah will be born as a child, which, which means that he is human. But he's also the Holy Son of God. And he will be our ruler that is our king. He will be our mighty God. But, but what does that mean? What does it mean for, for him to be our mighty God? What does that actually mean? How does that flesh out in, in our world today? And I think wrapped around Isaiah, we see around this verse in different parts of Isaiah, getting a glimpse of what it means for the mighty God. What does that mean for us as travelers in this 
this world today. And first of all, I think we, we can discover this. We can think and live differently because he is a mighty God. Because he is a mighty God, we can think and live differently. In Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, we read these words. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. You see, what begins to happen is our mighty God infuses us with new thinking. We don't have to jump to unnecessary conclusions. In our world today, everything is not necessarily a conspiracy. We don't have to remain stuck in the rut of everyone else kind of thinking. Because as Pastor Wayne talked about last week, we have hope. And when you have hope, how you view things and how you think about things and how you filter things is so much different if you don't have any hope. And we can be, because he is a mighty God, we can be readjusted in how we think. And, and therefore, if we're adjusted in how we think, we also can adjust in how we live. And I think Paul caught this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, where he says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, because we, he is a mighty God, we, we can think and live differently. We can think on the things that are pure and right, and, and that's going to change how, and just how we live and how we respond and how we act in our life so much to understand these things. Secondly, because he is a mighty God, we can find safety in him. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. Wow. That, 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 is, that is where our safety is. Its safety is in, the, is in the mighty God. It's not in what we can conjure up. It's not in what we can set aside. It's in the mighty God. Nothing more and nothing less than the mighty God. Because it's the mighty God. He is the one who will keep us safe. We read about a, a king of Judah. His name is Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5. And it says this about Hezekiah. It said, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. The God of Israel. There is no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after his time. And what was the difference? Because he put his trust in the mighty God. Not in things around him, not even even in his royalty or in his kingship, but it was in the mighty God. And, And that's where we need to rest and place our trust in our faith. In fact, that's the third thing I want us to see. Because he is a mighty God, we can trust him to keep his promises. And, and sometimes we, we live that out, don't we? There are some people that will promise us something, and we know we can take that to the bank. They said they would, and they would. And there are other people sometimes, when they give us a promise, it's more like in the back of our mind, we're going, really? Well, I guess we'll just have to see about that. And, and, but yet, because he is a mighty God, we can trust him. It says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 
14, we uh, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then we fast forward many, many, many generations. Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He promised it. He did it. And so what does that mean? That means when he tells us he can save us. John chapter 14, 6, we can trust him. When he tells us he gives us a life that is full, John 10, 10, we can trust him. When he tells us he will give us rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, we can trust him. When he tells us if we follow him, he'll give us purpose, Matthew 5, 8, we can trust him. When he tells us he will be with us until the end, Matthew 28, 20, we can trust him. We can trust God. He is the mighty God. He is God who is the mighty one. And, and his wisdom is such that we can go through. He'll go through with what his undertakings are. He'll continue on with his promises. He is able to save us to the utmost. And that's what he is about. He is the mediator. He is power. He is mighty. He is a God that can achieve and can accomplish. We can trust him. And, and, I, and I know that for some of us, if we've lived and raised in an environment where, where we've, had been, we've had distrust and people have, we haven't been able to trust people and we put our trust in them and they haven't fulfilled that trust, that's a difficult thing to grab a hold of. But I want to encourage you and challenge you today that you can trust God because what he says he will do and what he does, he said he'd do. We can trust him. And because he is a mighty God, we can move to the light. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The, the people who walk in darkness will, will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And then John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Because he is a mighty God, we, we can have light. Light brings illumination. Light brings insight. Light brings confidence. Light brings clarity. One of the greatest things I've done on the iPhone is I give you a little flashlight. Isn't that awesome? That is so, so good. And so in, in our household, and, and I, I tend to be an early riser, and Joni not so much, and so I, that little flashlight on that iPhone has become a, a godsend for me and for Joni, you know. Because I don't have to go now if I shine it in her face to see if she's awake, it's kind of disruptive. But, but, <clears throat> but for the most part, it, it's nice that I can kind of make my way out into the other room of the house from the bedroom to make sure I don't trip over anything. Because I had that experience one time. I, I was in, in fact, I, I was in a different part of Sacramento and I was on staff at one of our churches. And, and, and the senior pastor of our church had asked me to take him to the airport very early in the morning. And so I was up early and I didn't have any lights on in the house. And as soon as I was up kind of going around in our living room area, is that the phone rang. Now, some of you know, there used to be phones in houses. <laughs> kind of plug into your wall, you know, and they'd ring at your house, that kind of thing. We don't have those much anymore, but, which I think is actually great, fantastic. But, but they used to have those. They were plugged in the wall and the whole deal. Although they keep extending the size of phones pretty soon. You ever notice the, phone, I, the, little, the, little, the mobile phones are getting bigger and bigger? Pretty soon they're going to say, hey, you can hang these on your wall. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that, that's just my thought. But they go, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or they'll even say, here's a little handle. You can hold them like this. Um, that may or may not happen, but anyway. Uh, 
And so the phone rang, and I didn't want Joni to be awakened by the phone, so I ran. Now, my wife has always been very energetic, and she rearranged the furniture in the house at that. And I did not recognize that, evidently, because I went to make my path to get to the phone, and what works, there was no chair. There now was a chair. And I hit that baby, and I, I flipped over that chair. Now, this was a few years ago, so I was a little bit more spry in those days. Like, uh, several people suggested I come and leap over these poinsettias. And, I, and I, I ran that in my mind a couple of times. I thought, no, that's not going to happen at all. And, and so I flipped over that chair, and I immediately got up, and I grabbed the phone. And it was my senior pastor telling me he got a call from the airlines, and Sacramento Airport was fogged in, so he wasn't going. And I said, said, oh, thank you. Fine, fine, that whole thing. What light would have been a wonderful thing to have at that moment for illumination, for safety, for all those things? And that's that we have. We have the light because he is a mighty God. And actually, mighty God can literally be translated God hero. It's an emphasis on the deity of the Messiah. He is the God-man. Jesus and God are one. This, this mighty God is Jesus. This mighty God is Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And because that is what he would do, and that is what he has done, we have the privilege, you and I, we have the privilege to live under the umbrella of his mightiness. Because of the spirit of God that is present, we have the privilege of having his mightiness in us. It is because we have access to the mighty God. We can participate in the salvation and deliverance he brings. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, You... You, you, me, we are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He is the light. And because he lives in us, we are the light. And what, what I hopefully you're not doing in your mind cognitively, I hope you're not thinking, well, you know, so some of us might say, well, I'm, I'm too young to really be used by God in this great redemptive story. Or you might say, well, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit too old to not be used in this redemptive, to be used in this redemptive story. And, and I got to tell you, no, you're not too young. You're not too old. You, some of you may say, well, I'm in the process of trying to get to where I want to be in my life. And, and I'm, I'm, so I'm too busy to be a part of this redemptive story. And I want to tell you, no, because he is a mighty God, we are all invited into the redemptive story that he brings. And that's what we want to see is, is how do we do this? What is our role in his mightiness here on earth today? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, we get a little bit of the descriptor of what that means to, to participate in this redemptive story through the mightiness of God. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this means that anyone... Let's say a few, certain age, certain life situation. It says anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new 
person. I got, I got to just stop for just a second. There's a, there's a movie coming out on Christmas Day. And, and, and it's about this, this, this gentleman who, who was in prison at a war camp, and it's called Unbroken. I don't know if you've heard about it. And, I, and I, 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 as soon as I saw the previews for that movie, I thought, I'm going to go to that movie. Now, it's also a book about it. And so I also know this. If I go to a movie first, it's hard for me to read the book. So I'm, I am, I'm, I, I, the book is over 600 pages. I'm on this mission to finish this book before Christmas Day. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's it's, I'm, I'm on a mission to do this. And, and this guy's story is phenomenal. And I was just telling Jordan this morning because just last night as I'm reading through this, he literally, now, see, now you may want to go to the movie, but go to the movie anyway. Because I don't even know if this is going to be in the movie. He has a transformative, he becomes a new person as a result of going to a Billy Graham crusade in the Los Angeles. And his life is transformed. And it's, I mean, I, as I was telling Johnny just I said, it is genuinely a transformative story. I mean, this guy goes from this to something completely different. And just because we know if you've accepted Christ into your life, you know what I'm talking about. And I said, I wonder if that's going to be in the movie. Because it's, it's incredible. It's transformed his life. And that's what we're talking about, is that whoever belongs to Christ has become a new person. Why? The old life is gone. New life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. See, now we typically like to stop at the transformative story of our own lives. We've been transformed. We were once one way and now we're another place. We are an old person, now we're a new person. And we like to stop there instead of realizing, no, that's all been a gift. And God has given us a gift as part of that gift of his grace is so that we can be reconcilers. We can reconcile people to him. Verse 19, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Wow. Because he is a mighty God, we get to participate in that reconciling ministry. We get to be his ambassadors here on this planet right now for him. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Not just when we gather together as a community of believers, but really as we live our lives out there. Because here's the cool thing, I think it is. As much time as we spend together as the faith community and gather together for worship and other things that we do, we spend what? Much more time out there. Really, we do. You spend much more time at work or in your neighborhood, whatever it might be, and that's where our ambassadorship, that's where our reconciliation begins to engage and help there. He is the mighty God who came into this world, John chapter 1, verse 10. He is the mighty God who came not to judge but to save, John 3, 17. He moved into our world so we can move in with him and be heirs to his mightiness, not to push people into submission, but to provide freedom, as we read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You see, his mightiness has granted to us 
his followers so that we can use that mighty, so we can leverage that mightiness so that we can be those who share the good news of God in our midst. That God is here. God is present. God is working in our midst. And so what does that mean for us? It means that we can leverage his authority to go and make more followers of Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 talks about the Great Commission. You are to go and make disciples teaching. And, and what we need to understand is that sometimes we talk about, well, we need to be evangelistic and we also need a disciple. Well, I got to tell you, it's all about disciple making. And disciple making is both. It's winning people to Jesus and then helping them to grow in their relationship with him. There is not either or, it's a both and. Evangelism or outreach or sharing your faith story or reconciling people to Jesus and then discipling them in a deeper walk with him, it's two sides of the exact same coin. You cannot have one without another. I've talked to some pastors who maybe haven't had people come to Jesus through their ministries of their church for a long time, and they'll say, well, we're a discipling ministry. And my thinking, exactly! Is she winning people to Jesus? Because that's part of the deal. That's what Jesus came to do. And we have that opportunity to be a part of that. A gentleman named Ralph Moore, who's been a long-distance mentor of mine. All, that's a nice way of saying I've only read his books. <laughs> Say, how long? Oh, you talked to him all the time? No, I've actually met him once in my life, but I've read all of his books. He's been a long-distance mentor of mine. He says this, every Christian is called into the Great Commission. Every Christian is called into the Great Commission. Not just a few. It's every Christian is called into the Great Commission. And as we participate in His mightiness, we have Spirit-generated power. Now, I want to make sure, because a lot of times we don't talk about that. We, that we have Spirit-generated power to carry out the mission of God. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have this power to, to be witnesses. In fact, I think as you go through Scripture, there, there, seems, there seems to be a pattern that when the power of the Holy Spirit descends upon people, that the manifestation of that power, more than anything else, seems to be boldness and witnessing. More than anything else. Boldness and witnessing. When the Holy Spirit dumps itself upon a group of people, they become bold in the sharing of their faith. And we have access to that, that same power. We have access to the Spirit, Holy Spirit power within us. And if we can learn to be discerning people and, and listen to the voice of God and then respond to God's direction, incredible things change. And, and, I, and I'm just sharing a, in a moment of transparency here is that I, I'm on this journey in, in, my, in my spiritual walk because I think you know that, you know, Pastor Wayne and myself, we may be pastors, but we're really Christ followers who happen to be pastors. You know, that, that's what we really are. You're a Christ follower who happens to be, and you fill in the blank, whatever you happen to be. But that's what we really are. We may pastor, but we're really Christ followers first who then happen to be pastors. And so as a result of that, we hopefully allow that hunger for God to continue work in our lives and to transform us and to change us. And so I have never considered myself an overly spiritually discerning person, just to be real honest with you. 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty practical about, uh, not that spirit, hearing God's spirit is not practical, but I'm pretty, pretty practical about things. It's about strategies, about goals, about all these kinds of things. And, and, and in fact, even my, my, two, uh, my two boys, I have, we have uh, three kids, uh, a son, a daughter, a son. And our two boys are married to sisters. Okay, okay, good. Now, I didn't get it at first either myself. So I can remember when my youngest son, my oldest son, was already dating the older sister, and, and he had fallen in love, and they were, gonna, they were dating, they were going to get married. And then my youngest son, I remember we were sitting down, we are having breakfast together at a restaurant here in the Sacramento area, and my youngest son, Scott, looks across the table, he says, Dad, he said, I'm in love with Ashley. Ashley was Desiree's sister. And he says, do you think that's odd that I'm in love with the sister of Ryan's fiance?" You know what I said? I looked at him, I said, Scott, all I see is easy holidays. Because <laughs> I work with enough people, I know how holidays can be tremendously difficult. I said, that's the first thing I said to him. I said, I'm glad, you know, basically all I see, that's how practical I've always been. Ah, easy holidays, thank you, that's a great idea. Now we're only juggling a couple of families, not more. You know, that's just simple, way to do it, all right. And then, frankly, just a little side note, it has been very easy holidays. <laughs> but, but I've been on this, this journey of, of having more of a discerning spirit. So, so recently I've been in asking the Lord, and actually I had some, some one of our pastors in, down in Southern California I was at one of their meetings, and they gave opportunity for people to be prayed for. And so I, I, I had that sense that I just really wanted to be prayed for in this area. So I went up to our pastor. I said, listen, here's what I want you to pray for me for. I want to have a discerning spirit and in the boldness to act on that which I discern. That's it. And so uh, that was on a Wednesday night of last week. So this is fresh stuff. So, you know, fresh stuff. And I hope it continues to be fresh stories. And so on Thursday, I was flying out of San Diego to come back up to Sacramento. And there's a, a right in the one terminal of San Diego, there is a shoe shine place. And so I don't get my shoe shine, and probably you can tell. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So I'm walking past this guy. There's no one there. There's, he has no clients. He's not shining anybody's shoes. And so I walk by, and here's what I sense the spirits say. Give that guy a tip without having your shoes shined. Now, my first thought as I kept walking was, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That, that, def, that can't be, dis, that's not, I'm not, you know. And then, so I continued to walk. I got around the corner, out of the sight of this guy, and it was the Spirit said to me, what did you just have prayed for you last night? Just act on it. So, okay. <laughs> so I reached in my pocket, got out a $5 bill, walked back to this gentleman, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, listen, I want to give you a tip without you shining my shoes. And he takes the $5 bill, then he grabbed me by the shoulders, and he looked at me, and he says, why did you do that? <laughs> and I wanted to say, I'm a nice guy, you know? But that really wasn't why I did it. So I looked back at this guy, and I said, God told me to? <laughs> I don't know about you. That's a weird thing to me to say to a shoeshine guy in the airport. I said, God told me to. And then he goes, how did you know I was a brother in Christ? I said, I didn't know. He said, this is amazing. This is so encouraging to me. So we engage in a conversation and that kind of thing. And he wanted to give me his car because I said, I don't live in San Diego, but I, I come through here and I'll try to remember to stop by if I see you again. And, and so I said, I'll pray for you because he shared with me then how he uses his shoe shiny bits to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and all this kind of thing. So I said, now there's a lady here. We're getting ready to have her shoe shine. I could tell that. So I said, hey, you've got a client. I got to catch a flight. I said, that's fine. Glad we had this opportunity to connect. And then down the road and then all of a sudden from the airport, I hear this, Phil, Phil. 
And here's a shoeshine guy running. I, he comes up to me, again, practical. First thing, what are you doing here? You got a client. <laughs> what are you talking to me for? I, I didn't, you know, you got money waiting over there. And uh, he said, oh, I just want to make sure you have a card. I didn't ask you for your card. I said, yeah, and I gave him my, my card. And, and so I share that because that's what we're talking about here, the spirit-directed carrying out the mission of God. Now, I would, thank you, I, you know, I would have preferred him, to, frankly, to be a non-saved, an unsaved person so I could say, God, and we had this, real, I, I, on my mind, this really wonderful conversation. He drops down and takes Jesus to his life, all that kind of stuff. And I think what God, for me, is that you're not ready for that. You're just such a, you're such a little baby novice in this. I'll just connect you with a Christian guy <laughs> and be more palatable. And so I share that to say I'm on this journey to the mightiness of God, that we have the spirit-generated power to carry out the, the mission of God. And it's, that's the kind of, we're not talking about weird stuff. We're talking about that kind of thing, just being discerning of the spirit of God and then acting on that stuff and seeing what God does. We also, because of the mightiness of God, how do we begin to live that out? How do we participate? We have the attitude of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, we must have the same attitude that Jesus had. In fact, when I first heard that verse, and actually memorized that verse, was in a J.B. Phillips translation that says this, let Christ Jesus be your example as to what your attitude should be. How does Christ influence our, our attitude? And I, and I guess if I had to really drill down, if I really had to pick a, a verse, someone says, what's your What's your favorite verse in the Bible? What's the verse that you depend on more than anything else? I would say it's Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. For me, that I want to have that attitude of Christ in all things. And I'm not near there yet, but that's, that's a reminder to me. But we can have the attitude of Christ as we are on mission with Jesus. We can have this attitude of Christ. We also can live in victory. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So we can do that. We serve a mighty God who came into this earth and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so as, I, as I've thought through this time and sharing with you, I began to think, why do we not live in the mightiness of God? Why do I not live in the mightiness of God as, as often as I should? Why, why is that not happening as much as it should? Because if we serve a mighty God who came into the earth and he's given us this ministry of reconciliation, why are we not more participatory in that? And here's what I think, I think, about that. I think there are some things that we like the idea of. We just don't like to do those things. You know, there are some things we just like the idea of. Like, here, here's for me. I like the idea of fruitcake. I really do. I, I look at it, I think, that looks like a tasty morsel of things, and, and, and it smells good. Whenever I share a fruitcake, it smells good. And, so I, and it's festive. It's part of this time of year. And I just like the idea of fruitcake, but I don't like fruitcake. But I love the idea of fruitcake. My mom used to send me a fruitcake every year, an expensive fruitcake. And I finally said, Mom, why are you sending me fruitcake? She said, well, you like fruitcake. I said, no, I don't like fruitcake. She says, oh, you do. You know moms. Yeah, you do. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who your moms are. You like fruitcake. Okay, I like fruitcake. Okay. So just to let you in on a little secret, it became a white elephant gifted every Christmas party I ever went to when I got that fruitcake. <laughs> so, so I like this idea of fruitcake. I like the look. I like the smell. It's the festivity represents. But I don't, I don't participate in fruitcake. I don't, I, don't, I don't eat fruitcake. 
And I think, I think at some level, we like the idea of the Christmas story. It's so wonderful. It's this time of year. It's so angelic, you know, the arrival of God in our world, the revelation of God in humanity. It's, a, it's an idea that we acknowledge. We celebrate the Advent this time of year. Uh, but we don't always embrace the reality of it. But we like the idea of it. We, li we like that idea. We, we don't necessarily live out the Great Commission aspect of the Advent. We, but we like the idea. We, we love the idea of Advent. We love the idea that God came into the world. And, and, and yet we don't, for some reason, allow that Great Commission to extend itself into the, living out the Advent in our daily life. Because Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He's who we can point people to who, who can better understand God. In Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 7, it says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. And then you could read more of that later. But, but the idea being that we like the idea of that. We love that. We love the idea of the Christmas. We love the idea of the Advent. We love the idea that God came into the world. That mighty God came into this world through a fragile baby. That baby was the God-man. He was Jesus. And that he preached the good news. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. That's why he came, to, to preach that good news. And then we read in John chapter 17, verse 18, that just as you sent me into the world, this is the great priestly prayer of Jesus. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Wow. Wow. He came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, and he was sent to do this. That is why I was sent. And then he turns around and says, by the way, that's why I was sent. That's why I'm sending you. We, we, we are the them, by the way, in that verse. <laughs> I'm sending them. We're them. That's this, us. We're the, we're the them. And so we, we, Jesus is sending us into the world. And again, we like the idea of that Advent. We like the idea of God's arrival in the world. But do we like the fact that it's not just liking the idea, but it's participating and realizing that we are the sent ones. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Because he is a mighty God. We can be a mighty people who declare the life-changing message of the gospel. And we have to regularly ask ourselves, how will we live out this mightiness? It was 73 years ago today, December 7th, 1941, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. In fact, it started to happen. The first wave started to happen just a little bit before 8 o'clock Hawaiian time, which puts it about 11 o'clock our time, which means this time, 73 years ago, there's a good chance right now, 73 years ago at this very moment, Hawaii was under attack by the Japanese. Unbelievable. Right now, this very moment, 73 years ago. And it appeared that the might of the United States of America had been compromised. That Amer but we, what, here's what we know historically. Appearances can be Deceiving. <laughs> now, the result of that bombing is that the United States entered into World War II, and of course, we know we won. 
And what, but however, on December 7th, 1941, that, which what appeared like an ending was only a beginning because the people of the United States of America, my parents' age, my dad was one of those people who was mobilized and paid the price so that we could gather together at places like this. 73 years ago today, I keep a picture of my dad. My dad passed away in 2006. I keep several key pictures of my dad in my office, and one of them is when he was in the military. There's four guys. I don't know where it was taken, black and white. He's got a carbine rifle in his hand. I call it his piss and vinegar shot. Can I say that in church? <laughs> I call it his piss and vinegar photo. And he's a young guy, just a young kid. Got his, his, his helmet cocked back and his carbine in his, in his hand. And, and uh, I think to myself, uh, and I don't know the other three guys at all. And I think, what, what? Those guys just had the, the, the world by the tail at that time. They, who knew what they saw? My dad, there's a lot of World War II, a lot of anybody in, in, in war situation had never talked much about his World War II service and his tours that he had. But I wonder whatever happened to those other three guys. I know what my dad's life was like because I had the privilege and honor to, to be in his household. But I, I wonder about that. But, but the thing is, is that what we thought was an ending was only a beginning. And when, the, when Jesus, the mighty God, died on the cross it appeared things were over <laughs> but it was not what seemed like an ending was only a beginning it was the death and resurrection that mobilized the people of God you see the mighty God arrived in the garb of a baby the mighty God's arrival for most was really not noticed the mighty God promised salvation. He died and rose to confirm that he could do what he said. The mighty God left us a man, left his mandate in our hands. But it began with the birth, the advent, the coming. The mighty God appeared. And now he lives in and through us. For God, for a child was born, and he will be called Mighty God. Father, we thank you for the truth of your scripture. Father, we thank you that you are a mighty God, and because of your mightiness, as we have been called in to be a part of your mission, to be your representative here on this earth, or this earth Father, in this, this time of your creation on this planet, God, I would pray in our corner of this world, Wherever that may be, may we continually be those people who live out your mightiness that's available to us. Because you are a mighty God, we can be a mighty people, and we can have this ministry of reconciliation, and we can have this, this ministry of declaring the good news, the gospel, that you live, that you are present, and that you save. And Father, I just thank you for that. And as we, in a few moments, celebrate Communion. May we be reminded not only of your death, but of your birth, but not only of your birth and your death, but of your resurrection. And we will be reminded that we can be, be a mighty people because you are a mighty God. And we ask it in Jesus' name.